Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Country's life. You just can't defeat country. You can shoot us, you, you can burn our cities, but a country boy will survive. Mud is like a drug to me. It's all about the engine roaring, the mud slinging, the just crowd cheering. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 290. Out now in virtual theatres and releasing on video on demand on the 22nd of September is Red, White and Wasted, a fascinating and unflinching documentary that delves into the muddy subculture in Orlando, Florida, and what happens when a family is forced to reconsider their way of life as the world changes around them. Joining me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is the co-director of Red, White and Wasted, Sam B. Jones. Sam, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. So I was reading a bit of your bio and something that just really fascinated me. So you're born in Panama, you're mm-hmm. raised in Seattle, Seattle and Washington, D.C., you currently live in New York City. So how do you become interested in making a film about the culture of mudding in Orlando, Florida? It just seems like a world away from your own world. Yeah, well, you know, I think to, to, to start or to be upfront, you know, neither uh, my co-director, Andre, uh, nor I, we didn't like grow up mudding or anything like that. We don't have a relationship to mudding. Um, I, uh, you know, I've got a few friends and family who, who, uh, who are into it, but it's definitely not, uh, it's not my world. Um, and that being said, you know, I, uh, work in film, work in documentary, and I'm always looking for, uh, a compelling story or two. And, um, Andre and I had just talked for a while about, um, wanting to do a subculture doc, or at least find a way to do a documentary, uh, in the United States and find something that really fit the bill of being sort of very, uh, I don't know, unknown or Mm -hmm. foreign to us while also being really, really close to home uh, and a way of kind of looking at ourselves and looking kind of at our, uh, at our country and at our culture. And so uh, we came across mudding online, quite frankly, and uh, couldn't find really much out there. Like there's no like big book. It wasn't much being written about it. I couldn't find any movies are much even professional quality video. And so we just went to a big mud event. And uh, when we went to our first one, uh, our jaws just kind of dropped and and our eyes got all bugged out. And we were just really kind of amazed uh, by what we saw and um, just kind of very quickly knew that we had to keep coming back to some of these mudding events and kind of go deeper and keep pulling at the threads and investigate kind of what was 
going on in this world and, and in this subculture. The main character in the documentary, um, and he, he is very much a character, is Pat Burns, affectionately known as Video Pat or the mayor of Mudville. Um, how did you get to know him? I mean, and was it easy to convince him to take part of your documentary? Because it just seems to me just watch, after watching the film and talk, listening to Pat and other people as well, that there's really kind of suspicion of outsiders and, and such. Was it kind of an easy, an easy thing to kind of break down the, the walls and try to convince him to take part of the movie? Or was he more than happy to uh, talk about uh, Mudding, considering he's so passionate about it? So... You know, it's a little bit of a, a yes and a no, but it, it was a little bit difficult at first. He's kind of a shy guy and we were very much outsiders and we didn't, uh, we were pretty upfront. We're like, you know, we're not from around here. We're down from New York. We're interested in mudding. Like nobody that we're aware of has made, you know, a documentary about mudding and we're really trying to understand and we're really trying to find people with interesting stories, like we want, you know, we want your story. Yeah. Um, and I think there was certainly some initial suspicion, but I think both uh, on the level of, you know, Pat's kind of a filmmaker, uh, you know, as well. <laughs> um, he'd been filming almost compulsively at his local mud hole, like every weekend for decades, yeah. uh, you know, to the point that his, and I think to have an opportunity to kind of like get more of his videos and his story out there was ultimately really appealing. And I think he doesn't, you know, he didn't feel like that many people were really interested. And so to have some people show up um, was, was really appealing. And we also, we just spent a lot of time down there, quite frankly, like we made a lot of trips to Florida. And at one point we moved to Florida for six months and we're living in Orlando and just seeing Pat and his family all the time and really kind of became enmeshed uh, in their family. So part of it was just investing the time. Yeah. He, uh, Pat says in the film that mud is a drug. Um, as an outsider looking in, when you went to that initial first mudding event, I'm sure the sub- subsequent ones afterwards, what do you think it is that mudding that is so intoxicating? Uh, is it just the kind of like the anti-authoritarian aspect of it? Is it, like a, is it, a, is it a, a communal thing? I mean, it seems to me that with Pat especially, um, it is a chance for friends and family to come, come together and just do something that is theirs, um, culturally speaking, as well as uh, speaking as well as uh, personal as well in regards to how he approaches the whole mudding aspect. You know, I think that's a really good read on it. I think that, like, certainly uh, when we first started uh, exploring the mudding subculture, it kind of felt like a lot of the appeal and the thrills maybe were in the, uh, just the kind of visceral, like the big trucks and the tires and the the power. um, And obviously the partying, there's a lot of, you know, kind of a drinking partying culture around it. Um, And that's certainly true. That's, I think that's what draws a lot of people in and perhaps what draws some people to want to watch the, the movie. But uh, I, I think you, you really pointed to something important there and that in, in terms of trying to answer the question of like, why would someone invest so much of their time and money to basically just go out and break the repeatedly for entertainment? Like there's, 
you know, there are easier ways to just hang out with your friends or, or get drunk or whatever. Um, but what was really drawing people back was, I think, this sense of community, of mudding was really a place to kind of like create or kind of claim a space. Um, sometimes it's on people's property. Uh, oftentimes it's trespassing, but really like taking a space, making it their own and kind of, you know, it really was like the center of Pat's social life and a lot of other people's social lives, like both in Florida and kind of around the States and around the world is on the weekend, there's kind of a local mud hole you go to and that's where you see your friends Mm. and, you know, uh, the hub of, of social life. And I think that's really the important thing. It's about community and about, you know, identity uh, as, as well. And that's something else the film kind of tries to point to, but not be didactic about. There's um, a sequence in the film that's based at this event called the Redneck Yacht Club. And um, pretty much as you described before in regards to the peel of muddy kind of visceral aspect of it, you have the monster trucks and you have the, the twerking butts and all that kind of stuff. And of course you've got the, mm-hmm. the, the mud and everything. Um, when, you know, Pat went there, with all intentions of trying to reclaim some type of, you know, former past, you know, nostalgia or glory, whatever. And I have, I have a feeling that when he left it, it he kind of left behind his um, thrill for the scene. Um, do you, is, is that something that you felt as well, that Pat saw what mudding had become or saw mudding in a totally different aspect to what he was used to and just kind of went, you know what? I'm just getting too old for this stuff and it's time for me to, to, to concentrate on something else, which, which is primarily his family at the end of the movie. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in some ways the film is, or could be thought of as a bit of a, a coming of age film uh, or, you know, that, uh, you know, Pat's not a, a, a teen, but in some ways, you know, like when we, when we meet him and Krista says something to the effect of like, my dad's kind of like a kid still when it comes to all this mudding. And, you know, I think a lot of the movie is kind of about him realizing that a lot of things in the world and in mudding have kind of changed and there's not necessarily a place for him there anymore. And he kind of needs to shift his priorities and, and shift his, his attitudes. Um, And so certainly we didn't want to be too like specific with it. Like we wanted to kind of take you through the redneck yacht club sequence, I think is probably the longest sequence in the film by quite a bit. Um, we were on really one experience there. Um, I think there's really some ups and some downs, but, uh, at the end, I would agree with your analysis that he sort of, felt like he couldn't really connect there Mm. that it was exciting to him and at times scary to him. And it was thrilling to like know that there was still some really big mudding going on. Um, But he ultimately felt like an, an outsider there I think is, is um, what we kind of wanted to show with that sequence. Something I want to touch on is perceptions. Um, so I'm calling from Sydney, Australia, and um, I've never been to Florida, never been to the States. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I hear Florida, as sure a lot of people do who don't know Florida, um, they think of this kind of weird 
dangerous white trash kind of heaven kind of kind of thing, and um, which I'm sure in some cases it could be that. Um, and I think it's really important for documentaries like this to kind of break down barriers of stereotype and perception. In some cases, it clarifies it. In other cases, it, you have a humanity uh, behind the uh, caricature. Um, for yourself, Sam, did you have any type of perceptions going into this documentary of what you might find? And did you find yourself confronted with um, uh, maybe changing attitudes on your own um, behalf towards um, the people um, that you were interviewing and um, the whole kind of culture down there in regards to mudding and et cetera? Yeah. Um, you know, certainly I tried to go into it with really an open mind and, but there's also kind of limits to that. Like we all come with our own kind of attitudes and, and assumptions. And I, I feel like I can pretty comfortably say like, I didn't, I wasn't coming in there guns blazing and we never wanted to make a film where we were like intent, you know, trying to make people look stupid or dunk on people, or we didn't want to like reinforce. I, I think there were some, certainly I didn't really know how things were in this kind of mudding community and, you know, in central Florida. Um, and I think something that I really felt and Andre felt, and we tried to communicate in the film is that, I mean, a, okay, well, I'll just say it up front. Some of the stereotypes are true, right? Yeah. Like Matt, uh, Pat loves to fly the Confederate flag yeah. and has like five trucks in his front yard. And, you know, um, there are certain stereotypes, you know, loves country music and there are certain stereotypes that you're in, but obviously once you get to know people, it's much more complex than that. And, um, kind of two things. One, we just really wanted to complicate everything. Like there are various, um, I don't necessarily need to get too specific, but like characters in the film who, whether it's Pat or, or, or his daughters who say or do something that's racist but then we wanted to show that they also, you know, have either friendships or romantic relationships with people of color that seem to kind of like contradict or rub up against some of the things that they say. And to hear them kind of talk out their own kind of discomfort with race and their own attitudes and how other people view them. And it's 2020. And when we were filming it, I mean, obviously it was a couple of years ago, but, you know, people know that they're not supposed to be racist and that racism is bad. And they know that, you know, people are often perceive them potentially as being racist. That's one of the stereotypes. And so we just want to do our best to complicate and show that like, you know, this, this wasn't some idyllic world where like, don't worry, like nobody's racist, you know, look at all the like lovable truck people, but also that like, you know, these attitudes are reproduced and passed on and it's complicated and people are not just these sort of like one dimensional cartoon racists, but that there's a lot of conflict within individual people, complicated um, issues. I think a lot of that comes down to like after watching the film is that one person's culture can be just so alien to another person's as well. And you just have to um, 
try to be as um, open as you can to, you know, not necessarily embrace, but understand where other people are coming from. I think mm-hmm. the Confederate flag is especially such a, especially these days, such an incredibly hotbed issue. Um, but what can be seen outside from the outside world as one thing in regards to the Confederate flag is totally different to those in that culture. And I, I think um, a lot of people in your documentary, I mean, you, you, the main centerpiece is Pat, but you speak to a lot of other people in the community as well. And I think one person just said it's just um, referred to it as just country, meaning the South, meaning um, a lot of the things, the connotations that come with it, not necessarily an historical thing. Because I don't think, I really don't think that when it comes to that Confederate flag issue with a lot of people down there, they don't really care so much about the historical uh, concepts behind the flag, what it did represent, but they, there's a cultural one around it about what they bring to it. Is that something you kind of you took from that as well? Yeah, and you know, we we really tried to walk a tightrope with this film of like we wanted to show how people were thinking and and what they were thinking in like a very you know unguarded and honest way, but we didn't we. You don't want sign or, you know, endorse <laughs> the views um, that are there. And it was sort of, you know, we wanted to really focus on Pat and his story and his perspective, but we're aware that some of the issues that we're talking about, um, you know, the race, uh, the Confederate flag, uh, you know, politics, class, et cetera, like that it was bigger than just Pat. And so that's part of what some of those like interstitials and other interviews and characters wanted to weave them in to, to, to remind the viewer, hopefully that like, this is all part of a much larger like culture mm-hmm. um, and that everyone has their own relationship to it. But um, you know, that he's not just like one guy out there. There's, you know, thousands, millions of, you know, people who kind of share a sort of similar cultural identity to him. And I mean, with the flag in particular, you know, we try to show that, you know, people, I think many people that we talked to down in Florida basically try, made that argument that like, to me, the flag doesn't mean, you know, X, Y, or Z. It doesn't have anything to do with necessarily with like the Confederacy or slavery, et cetera. It's just what I think of, um, you know, as the South, it's a marker of identity or culture. Mm. And that's really the way people felt. I mean, pretty irresponsible to like ignore the history of the flag and to kind of like discount other people's reactions to it. But, um, you know, I, we didn't want to make the film of like us trying to convince people of why they're wrong or anything like that. But we felt it was much more interesting to just let people kind of talk it out and then let the viewers kind of, you know, come to their own analyses. You know, when the guy says, you know, the Confederate flag's not about slavery, that all happened way long ago. You know, it's, it's, you can decide if you, if you want to buy that argument uh, or, or not. It's such uh, a, yeah, it's just such a fascinating documentary. And I really, I really appreciate it, Sam, what, what you and Andre did there um, with the documentary, because I think it's really important to, to, to really go into uh, different cultures, different communities, whether it's in your own country or other countries, and just go in there with an open mind and let the people there tell the story. So 
I just I thought it was just so fantastic. And for everyone else out there, uh, Red, White and Wasted on video on demand 22nd of September, I really recommend people watch this film, especially these days. I think uh, it's a, such a vital and important documentary. And um, Sam B. Jones, I thank you very much for your time today. And once again, congratulations with the movie. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, um, yeah, thanks so much for the kind words.